Chapter Twenty of Bill the Conqueror by P. G. Woodhouse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sixpenny worth of rice. Wednesday morning, eleven of the clock, and a fair, fresh day with a cheerful little breeze nipping along from the southeast, placid, stolid, wrapped up in its own affairs, and titanically indifferent to all else. London went about its daily business from putney to sloane square from cricklewood to regent street from sydenham hill to the strand from everywhere to everywhere red yellow and maroon omnibuses clattered without ceasing policemen guarded the peace stockbrokers dealt in stocks beggars begged hatters sold hats loafers loafed spatters sold spats motors rolled in the park paper boys hawked the three o'clock editions of the evening papers and retired colonels sat spaciously in the club windows fronting on piccadilly and pall mall dreaming of lunch the only things in all the great metropolis that even hinted that this was not just one of london's ordinary days were the striped awning stretched over the pavement in front of st peter's eaton square and the strip of red carpet which the awning shadowed portents which indicated clearly to the cognoscenti that a marriage had been arranged and would shortly take place beneath that church's famous roof in addition to bill who was dressed in quiet grey picked out with a twill of invisible red and accompanied by bob the celium wearing a tan-coloured leash and a splash of mud on the tip of his nose the cognoscenti already assembled on each side of the awning consisted of the usual group of old women discussing other weddings they had seen in their time the usual seedy men chatting in undertones about snips and winners and the usual baby asleep in a perambulator without whom this kind of gathering never seems complete these would stand round gaping until the bride and bridegroom emerged when they would potter off to reassemble at the next wedding that happened along of all those present bill alone had come to this spot with a motive other than that of mere idle sight-seeing but what that motive was he would have found it difficult to explain he certainly expected to derive no pleasure from watching flick go into that church and come out again on the arm of her husband not even the mild and vacuous pleasure which the old women and the seedy men would experience no it would be sheer torture to witness this ghastly thing and yet he knew that strong men with ropes would not have kept him away there is a deep-seated instinct in all human beings that prompts them to twist the knife in the wound and make things as unpleasant for themselves as possible and it was this instinct that bill was obeying and even now before any of the wedding party had appeared he was not in the loosest sense of the word enjoying himself the struggles of bob the celium alone would have prevented that bob was taking this business of waiting hardly his dog soul was seething in rebellion for he considered that he had been cheated and imposed upon observing bill leaving the flat he had slipped adroitly through the door at the last moment and asked quite civilly to be taken for a walk to this proposition bill had apparently agreed and they had started out perfectly normally and all quite in order and now here he had been for twenty 
fifty minutes marooned in the middle of this beastly pavement unable to move more than a couple of yards in any direction and he was beginning to feel that this was going on for ever he expressed his resentment accordingly by a series of determined efforts to strangle himself on the end of his leash weaving the leash about bill's leg in order to get a better purchase and it was during the last of these attempts at suicide that the cheerful little breeze whipping round the corner of the street removed the latter's hat and sent it trundling across the square to bill's deeper sorrows therefore there was now added the misery of being conspicuous and an object of derision in the eyes of the hoi polloi of all spectacles that enchant a simple-minded london audience that of a man chasing his hat on a windy day is the most exhilarating and when in addition to chasing his hat the man is in imminent danger of being tripped up by a frolicking dog their enjoyment becomes complete bill's little entertainment went with a roar and when he returned hatted once more and full of hard feelings towards his species his chagrin was deepened by the discovery that in the interval of his occupation elsewhere flick had arrived and gone into the church the cognoscenti when he rejoined their ranks were already engaged in discussing her and comparing her with other brides of their distant acquaintance the notices on the whole were favourable one lady in a cloth cap and a cavalry moustache said she liked em plumper but with this exception flick had a good press adverse criticisms were reserved for the appearance of her paw bill knowing that flick possessed no paw took this gentleman to be her uncle sinclair to whom doubtless would have been assigned the task of giving away the bride he had not gone very well with the critics indeed there was one man in a sweater and a dented bowler hat who grew almost caustic in the subject of mr hammond's trouser crease where's the groom inquired the lady whom flick's figure had displeased he's light of course he's light rejoined one who knew about these things only natural he'd let er get there first he explained apparently with some recollection in his mind of the habits of boxers looked a bit pale i thought she did ventured a rather diffident voice the speaker seemed to be a comparative novice at these affairs and a little conscious of the weakness of his position in the midst of these experts they always look pale said the man who knew coldly besides i reckon you'd look pale if you was properly up against it like her i seen a picture of him in the record this morning nasty-looking bloke yes the man of knowledge was not one of your broad-minded fellows who are able to make allowances for the alterations which reproduction in a cheap morning paper can effect in the human countenance the fact that nobody could possibly really look as villainous as roderick had done in the record did not occur to him a nasty mean-looking bloke with a smudge across his face if you ask me i think he'll beat her bill could endure no more three courses suggested themselves to him to go away 
to knock the speaker down and trample upon his remains and to go into the church and sit there and because it was the unpleasantest and would make his torments the most complete he chose the last he made his way through the square found a handy tobacconist's purchased an ounce of tobacco in a forbidding wrapper and on the strength of this business deal left bob in charge of the man behind the counter then walked out of the shop threw away the tobacco and returning to the church strode boldly in and sank into the nearest pew it was dim and cool and rustling in here and quite against his wishes a feeling of peace was beginning to steal over bill when he was roused to wrath once more by a voice breathing delicately in his ear ticket whispered the voice it was a pink youth who looked hot and uncomfortable the scowl which bill bestowed upon him was so fierce and so packed with hatred malice and uncharitableness that his heat and discomfort seemed to grow even greater and after backing a pace and blinking he finally decided to withdraw from the affair the idea of a man in a grey suit and minus a ticket being at a wedding of any importance offended all his finest feelings but even had the edifice he was in been of a less sacred character bill had not the appearance of one with whom it would be agreeable to wrangle gray suits always make a big man look bigger and bill's suit was very gray bill sat on after one startled glance at his suit the congregation appeared to have come to the conclusion that he was just one of the myriad sights of a great city and gave him no further attention he plunged into mournful meditation whispering had begun the atmosphere had become suddenly disturbed and restless it was a long time before bill deep in his thoughts roused himself to observe this but once it had come to his notice it was unmistakable people were murmuring with their heads together people were shuffling plainly something was wrong an important-looking man with a badge pinned to his coat came down the aisle he stopped and whispered sibilantly in the ear of an ornate woman in the pew in front of bill's the woman uttered an astonished squeak postponed the man with the badge nodded solemnly there was more whispering then it's no use waiting said the woman none said the man with the badge others had apparently received the same information the church was beginning to empty itself bill added himself to the stream and was presently outside in the square where disappointed and perplexed cognoscenti gaped in amazement at this strange anticlimax they had been to many weddings in their time but they had never yet been to one where nobody got married bill sought his hospitable tobacconist retrieved bob and began to walk aimlessly back he was passing under the awning when a hand touched his arm and turning he perceived judson judson was looking intensely serious his face was pasty and his eyes heavy and it suddenly came to bill that he had not seen the heir of the cokers since they had dined together at eight o'clock on the previous night 
a man in bill's position cannot think of everything and one of the things to which he had not given a thought was judson he remembered now that the other had slipped out soon after dinner for what he described as a quiet stroll that stroll had apparently lasted all night wedding off said judson there seems to have been a hitch of some sort said bill judson smiled it was a smile that seemed to cause him some difficulty and even pain but there was triumph in it you bet there's been a hitch he said i popped round last night and kidnapped the bridegroom judson stooped and began to tickle the celium who was wiping his front feet affectionately on the leg of his trousers kidnapped him cried bill his companion's statement had been plain and straightforward and yet he found himself puzzling dizzily over it as over some strange cryptogram kidnapped him judson removed his attention from bob well not exactly kidnapped him he said it wasn't necessary when i got to his apartment and put the thing to him as man to man i found he wanted to kidnap himself that made everything jolly and simple i don't understand what don't you understand bill old man said judson patiently he blinked in a pained way at a passing lorry which was rattling by in a noisy and uncouth manner trying to a man who had had a disturbed night you went to pike's apartment yes the lorry was out of earshot now and judson felt more composed after what you told me about flick going to marry him i instantly saw that it was necessary to take a strong line i decided to slip round and threaten him with horrible penalties if he did not at once disappear and it shows how you can misjudge a fellow he turned out to be a capital bird perfectly matey and an excellent host but i didn't discover that till later of course he was out when i got there but i managed to induce his valet to let me in so i took a seat and waited the valet a most able man asked me if i would like a drink i said i would i was having my third when the bimbo pike arrived he paused and again that look of pain passed over his face this time it was caused by bob who barked suddenly and gratingly at a cat pike was considerably rattled at seeing me but he calmed down after a while and i got to business i put it to him squarely i said nobody was less fond of unpleasantness than i was but if he didn't disappear the worst would inevitably ensue and bit by bit pillow man it came out that he was only too anxious to disappear nothing he wanted less than to marry flick it seems there's another girl she used to be a stenographer or something in the pike's weekly office whom he has long loved in a manner well he described his feelings to me and believe me he had got it bad that must have been the girl i met him with in battersea park said bill 
Very probably. If you met him with a girl in Battersea Park, this would be the girl you met him in Battersea Park with, because he told me he had been meeting her on the sly for weeks past. He would have bolted with her like a shot months ago, only he was scared stiff of his father. His father would be the bozo who pursued you in the car, I take it. Yes, Sir George Pike, Flick's uncle. Well, the old dad had apparently got him hypnotized. I reasoned with the man. More drinks were produced, and we began to do ourselves pretty well. And with each snifter he took, he seemed to come more and more round to my way of thinking. I've given up all that sort of thing now. But there's no doubt that bad as it is for the constitution there's nothing like a drop of drink for putting heart into a fellow round about one in the morning good old pike had begun to walk up and down the room and was talking about calling the old man up on the telephone and telling him just where he got off no need to do that i said just disappear i will he said that's right i said you really think so he said i certainly do i said i ought to have done it before he said better late than never i said it turned out that as far as the money end of it was concerned he was sitting very pretty some time ago in order to do down the income tax people old pike had transferred a large mass of wealth to this bird's account the understanding being that roddy i was calling him roddy by this time was to return it in due season be a man i said call her the cash send a few wires of farewell and leg it for foreign parts he burst into tears, clasped my hand, and said that I was one of the masterminds of the age. In which, mark you, Bill, old man, he wasn't so darn far wrong, for if ever one fellow had given another fellow a bit of good advice, I had. He said that it was the dream of his life to go off to Italy and write poetry. How would it be? he said to tool off to florence or naples or one of those wop spots then he could write to the girl to follow him out there and they could get married and and write poetry and eat spaghetti and live happily for the rest of their lives i said it was the pippiest scheme of the age a lollapalooza and the long and the short of it is that he left on the nine o'clock train to catch the boat at Tover. So that's that, Bill, old man. Bill was beyond speech. He pressed Judson's hand silently. His faith in a great, coherent, purposeful plan governing this sometimes seemingly chaotic world of ours was completely restored it was a splendid beautifully managed world a world in which even judson had his uses and now proceeded judson i come to the really important part as i told you 
we made a very fair night of it and i left roddy's apartment after sleeping on the sofa at about nine this morning i had a couple of hours to fill in before i came to find you here and i was thinking of going and sitting down in the park well i was going along the brompton road headed for the park when i happened to pass a building into which a good many people were popping and i thought i might just as well sit down in there it was becoming pretty necessary for me to sit down somewhere right away a large car had rolled up to the curb bill moved away a step to frustrate bob's apparent intention of casting himself beneath the wheels and i'm darned bill o man proceeded judson earnestly if i didn't find myself right plumb spang in the middle of a temperance lecture a nasty shock but it was simply too much effort to get up and leave so i stayed where i was bill it was the luckiest thing i ever did in my life made me a different man absolutely and entirely a changed man no more alcohol for me i'm off the stuff for life give you my word i hadn't the remotest conception till that moment what it did to a fellow makes your inside like a crumpled oak leaf that's what it does i always had the idea that it was a valuable stimulant and carminative medicinal if you know what i mean but when this bird shot a colored slide on the screen showing the liver of a hard drinker bill was looking past him with bulging eyes a morning-suited man of middle age and amiable aspect had come out of the church and on this middle-aged man's arm walked a girl in bridal white they crossed the pavement and entered the car and after that said judson he took some worms and slipped him a stiff bracer and believe me or believe me not bill old man what it did to them was plenty all bright and chirpy those worms had been at the start jolly good fellows having one on the house but the minute they had got that stuff well over the larynx he broke off his audience had deserted him bill coming out of his trance had become a thing of action the car had begun to move off when he darted forward flung open the door and without a word hurled himself in bob the celium trailing through the air on his leash like a kite uttered a short strangled yelp of disapproval flick said bill and for a space no more words were spoken this was due principally to the behavior of the celium it had taken bob a moment or two to get the hang of things at first sniff that wedding dress of flick's had had a strange and misleading smell but now recognition had come and he was giving a spirited imitation of six celiums enclosed in a single limousine to leap up lick flick's face leap back kick bill in the eye leap up again knock mr hammond's hat off and plunge panting stertorously towards flick once more was with him the work of a moment 
he looked like one of those old-fashioned shimmering motion pictures and with this emotional exhibition coming on top of the natural surprise consequent upon bill's intrusion conversation was for some few moments at a standstill eventually mr hammond calm even in this crisis retrieved his hat from the corner into which bob had rolled it and spoke gazing mildly at bill if you are looking for a cab sir he said pleasantly you will probably find one along the street flick said bill winding the leash round his fingers and pulling strongly i got your letter but i understood i understood exactly what had happened i know that it must have been dictated by that infernal fat-headed aunt of yours my wife observed mr hammond in pleased recognition and if it is not a rude question who in the name of goodness are you a small voice spoke from the corner this is bill west uncle sinclair there was a pause flick resumed bill i was talking about that letter i understood just why you had written it did you see me said flick round-eyed see you at mario's a dizzy feeling began to grip bill see you at mario's what what do you mean but you said you understood i flick held her hands out to him with a little cry i don't care i saw you with that girl but i just don't care take me away bill i want you to take me away bill took her hands mechanically you saw me good heavens he exclaimed enlightened you don't mean you saw me dining with that girl at mario's on sunday night yes but i don't care i want you to take me away bill slipped the leash into mr hammond's hand would you mind holding this animal for a moment he said he gripped flick's hands and drew her closer oblivious of the keenly interested gaze of mr hammond who had just replaced the glasses which bob had knocked off and was scrutinizing him as though he were some rare first edition flicky my darling flicky he cried i can explain everything i had to dine with that infernal girl i hated it but i had to go through with it she knew all about slingsby and judson met her and arranged this dinner so that she could tell me and she told me my gosh she told me everything i saw slingsby next day and told him that i knew he had been swindling uncle cooley for years and he has cleared out and directly i tell uncle cooley everything will be all right he's sure to fix me up so that we can get married right away mr hammond coughed gently <clears throat> is it your intention to marry my niece he asked interestedly yes it is said bill he turned to flick again let's go right off now flicky roderick's run off and is going to marry some girl who used to be a stenographer or something well well said mr hammond tell me he went on turning to bill you look extraordinarily like a young man who dropped in one night at holly house some months ago and chased my nephew roderick sixteen times or so round the garden 
are you by any chance the same that was me said bill then it was you who were responsible for my brother-in-law the eminent sir george pike falling into the pond i was mr hammond shook him warmly by the hand take him flicky he said i could wish you no better husband why good heavens a man who saved you from drowning whose image you cherished in your heart through all those long weary years he took up the speaking-tube yates he said to the chauffeur do you know a good registry office he turned to flick and bill he says he does not there's one at eleven beaumont street pimlico cried bill enthusiastically yates said mr hammond speaking into the tube drive to number eleven beaumont street pimlico he hung up the tube and leaned back oh uncle sinclair said flick breathlessly after the ceremony said mr hammond i think it would be judicious if you were to return home flick if only for a day or so it would be a little difficult for me to explain your absence this morning later on the atmosphere may grow a trifle less tense he took up the speaking-tube again yates he said stop at the next grocer's you come to i wish to buy sixpenny worth of rice End of chapter twenty